Good afternoon, everybody. For those who don't know me, my name is Dylan, and my wonderful wife over there, her name is Robin. We've been married for five years now, and no, 25 years to go. And we have the incredible privilege of working on the church staff team together. And also, I have the privilege of being on eldership with these incredible gentlemen up front. And it is really our privilege that we get to um, lead this church and be a part of what I think is the best church that I've ever been a part of. But this morning, before we dive into the preach of what we're going to be unpacking today, I want to ask you, what are you expecting today? What's your expectation this, morning, this afternoon? Because I really believe that every time we come personally or corporately together, we approach God, I believe we can have a very real expectation to see God move in our lives. I believe this morning we should not leave the same when we get in our cars and go to lunch. I believe that God every time wants to do a work and provoke and stir up in us His work that we would be more obedient to living out radically for His name. So I want to pray that for us this morning. And as I pray that, I'm asking you to rise your expectations this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the incredible privilege it is to gather in your name and worship you. And God, I pray that as we come with expectations this morning, Father, you know our lives, our circumstances, what we need, all the complexities of our lives. And you know, Lord God, where we're at. And so, Father, I pray our expectation this morning would almost in a way intimidate us because then we know it's only you who can meet that, Lord God. We love you, Lord. We have a big expectation for you to move in our lives today. We pray in faith, Lord God, that you would do this. Amen. Amen. If you're with us today for the first time, welcome. We have been in a series unpacking the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And the last three, three weeks, Rob has unpacked basically verses 5 to 9, or the, the, the beginning part of the Lord's Prayer, and really done an astounding and wonderful job at doing that. And I want to say that if you haven't yet listened to those, you can find us on YouTube or on Spotify, and you'll be able to go and listen to those to be caught up. It really is important that we understand the overarching theme of the Lord's Prayer in light of today's um, preach as well. So please do go and do that. But today, we're going to be focusing just on verse 11. We're going to read the whole prayer again just to refresh our memories. And then we're going to look at what does it mean to ask God for our daily bread. It's going to be up on the screen, but you can also pull it up in, um, on your phones if you'd like. From verse 9, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in school, we used to finish and say, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This morning... We're going to look at four points that Jesus wants to teach us about what it means to ask for our daily bread. We're going to look at when God speaks about our daily provisions that come from Him, there's four things that Jesus wants to teach us regarding that. We're also going to look at three lessons that, that, 
that Jesus, Moses, and Paul all teach us about what it means to come to God for our daily provisions. But the big idea that you need to understand in light of all these things that we're going to work through is that the daily bread Jesus is teaching us about is a prayer for the provision of our needs, what we need every day, but also it produces in us contentment, humility, and faith in God. That as we ask God, give us this day our daily bread, it's a prayer for the provision of our needs. But God is not like an ATM who just gives us what we need. This prayer produces in us contentment, humility, and faith in God. As we receive from God daily, He's producing something magnificent in us. And so four things in light of that big idea that Jesus wants to teach us as we, as we pray this prayer. First thing, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus wants to teach us to remember daily. The first word that should stand out is the word daily. Every 24 hours, when the sun goes down and the moon comes up, then the moon goes down and the sun comes up, as the days roll on, we are to ask God for our daily bread. Jesus doesn't say weekly, 52 times a year. He says 365 times a year, daily, we are to ask God for our bread for the day. And Jesus uses the natural rhythm in our life to teach us about the importance of remembrance. Because he knows that our human tendency is to forget. We're forgetful people. All the wives in the room, you know that if you ask your husband right now to do something by the time he gets home, by the time he gets home, he's completely forgotten. Absolutely. It's true. And husbands, you know if you ask your wives something now, I'm preferring not to say it, actually, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> but in our humanness, we're forgetful people. We need constant reminders. And Jesus is actually gracious in saying, hey, here's this daily rhythm in your life, the day that comes and goes. He's teaching us that our natural 24-hour rhythm sets this pattern of how often we should approach the Father for our provisions. How often do you approach the Father for what you need? Is it daily or is it yearly? Another great example actually comes out of the Old Testament in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 to 18, where we see God speaks through Moses into the forgetfulness of his people. And friends, when we read the Bible, it's not just the Old Testament was what God was doing with them. What God did with them is actually lessons for us today to not neglect, but actually to grab a hold of. And so we're going to see something that God was saying to his people then, which is true for us today. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 to 18. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to you, to, to your forefathers, as it is today. And friends, the same is true for us, that as we have skills, jobs, gifts, we work hard, it is God who gives you that ability to do so. 
And we need this daily reminder that even though I get up and work hard and, and go throughout my eight to five and receive my paycheck at the end of the month, it's not actually in my strength that that happens. It's in God's ability, God's sovereignty that he's given you that ability to do so. And each day we pray this. It's a reminder that God gives us the b- abilities to produce wealth and an income. Are you getting that? Every day. Not my own, but God's ability that, that strengthens me. Remembering daily who provides our needs enables us to be a humble people, not entitled. Because every day when I ask God for the needs of the day, the daily bread, the grace to come, at the end of the day, I'm able to look back and say, that wasn't me, that was all God. And we deflect all this pride off of us and we become a humble people. And that leads us into our second point. So firstly, Jesus wants us to remember daily. Very simple. But when we do that, it produces us produces in us humility. And that's the second thing that Jesus wants to teach us, is that he wants us to be a humble people before God. Earlier in the same Deuteronomy text, Moses says this, the Lord your God gave you manna to eat in the desert. That's food to eat in the desert. Something your fathers had never known. To humble and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. And in Deuteronomy, Moses points back to when God was leading his people to the promised land, he would provide food for his people every single day. But they were instructed not to take more than they needed for that day. And God was teaching the Israelites back then something that we ought to learn as well when we ask God, give us this day our daily bread. So we're going to jump to Exodus 16 so we can see when they were given this instruction, What did they actually do? We pick up in the story. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Why was God doing that? Why not allow them to to store in houses? Why not allow them to keep more than they needed? And because God was teaching his people to surrender their own pride of providing for themselves and to trust in the sovereign providential care of the God who cares for their needs. God was teaching his people to be humble, to surrender and depend upon God. As I was reading this to Robin last night, she said, make sure people know they need to depend. They need to lean on God. Robin is like my teacher when it comes to my preaching. She's like, say this, don't say that, say this, you know, because I'm saying it. You, what it means is that we depend upon God daily that what he provides. So it makes us a humble people. Sorry. <clears throat> Sean, where are you, bro? Can you give me some water, please, bro? Thanks, man. The relevance for us today is that it's not just about the physical nourishment that God is providing to our bodies. It's to teach us that the grace that God gives every single day is enough. Not just physical, but spiritual. The things we go through, whatever you're going through, God's storehouse of grace is being poured out on a daily basis. 
And I'm asking you the question, are you sitting under His grace daily? Are you receiving what God wants to pour out on you on a daily basis? You see, too many of us are trying to overcome today's obstacles with yesterday's provisions. Thanks, Sean. Too many of us are trying to overcome today's challenges and burdens with yesterday's provisions. We don't sit at the feet of God regularly. I'm not discounting the beautiful daily bread and grace that God may have given you yesterday or last week or last year. But as Jesus teaches, we don't come to the Father once a year. We don't come to the Father irregularly. We come daily and we ask what's needed for today. We are to bring ourselves on a daily basis to the Father every morning for the grace required for that day. And if you're anything like me, human, I come to God and say, God, there's this thing, this project for the next three weeks. God, give me the grace for the next three weeks. And I forget for the next three weeks to come and receive the grace daily for the challenges ahead. And you see, this is not about control. The Father is not wanting to control us like puppets. It's about surrender. Because when we fully surrender and give the Lord complete access to our life, we actually see that we begin to trust that His providential care, His sovereign care, takes better care of us than we can ever take care of ourselves. It's not about control. It's about surrender. Over the last year and a half, Robin and I have gone through probably the most challenging year and a half of my life. And I can guarantee you, it has been hard. But we would never have been able to stand here today if we tried to do it in our own strength along the way. There's friends in the room who know it's required us being at God's feet daily, trusting in His grace, that what He gives me today is enough to see me through the day. It's more than enough to carry me on. D.L. Moody, he's an evangelist. He's, he's passed on. He's with the Lord now. But he says this amazing thing about us understanding what it means to come to God for our daily provision, the grace for every day. He says, A man can no more take a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months. Nor can he inhale sufficient air into his lungs with one breath to sustain life for a week. We're permitted to draw upon God's store of grace from day to day as we need it. Every day. God's not a megalomaniac that only allows you to come every now and then when He approves. What Christ accomplished for you and I on the cross has given us full access to the Father daily to come and receive the grace that God wants to pour out on us. To tell you a little bit of a story, at 21 years old, I thought I was ripe and ready. I moved out of my parents' home, and I moved into a, a basically a thing what we call a digs in South Africa. It's, a, it's like flat sharing, and with some good mates from church. And I was 21 years old, 21, time to have some fun, suns out, guns out, and I really thought I had what it took to be able to provide for Dylan. Verse 17 from Deuteronomy 8 literally was my thoughts. I thought my power and the strength of my hands will produce all the wealth and income for Dylan. And I had this pride lofted in me that I, I would be able to take care of myself. Part to prove to my parents, part to prove to myself, but essentially pride. 
and God just squashed my pride. I, it became the most challenging season of my life up until that point. I was working four jobs to be able to pay my tithe, my rent, my fuel, and my food. And I, I know those four things because that's the only four things I had money for. So my budget was literally four little rows. And it was really an interesting season of what it meant to understand God's grace on a daily basis. During that time, my dad lent me his Land Cruiser 4x4. Now it's a cool car. It's a KIF car. In South Africa, we say KIF, meaning it's awesome, but it's better, you know. KIF, they use in heaven. Awesome, we use on earth. So KIF. And it was a KIF car. It was really, really cool. But every time I would rock up somewhere, people would think, oh, wow, like, this guy must be so busy and popular because he only comes to socials once a month. But the truth was, is that my salary, my budget, did not allow for such an expensive fuel consumption. That car was, it, it's almost like a drain South Africa's fuel supply. It was so expensive. Every time I would look at the car, the fuel meter would go down. <laughs> and so I had to make some adjustments. My salary or my, my monthly income was not able to provide for the car, let alone me. And what had happened through that process is I had I was like, cool, I've got to make some changes. So I found a skanky old bike in my dad's shed from the 1950s that had one big wheel over here and one small wheel over here, and I used that to get around. Some of you think I'm being serious. It was just a normal bicycle. But I used that to get around to my four different jobs. And it was a difficult season because it didn't feel like the days were getting better. And there were many more difficult moments. Buying a set of toilet paper and have to ration it out so that it lasts for the whole month. Yes, exactly. Oh, no. But I was clean. I would eat at Robin's parents' place seven nights a week. Thank you, God, for girlfriends, for provision. Thank you, Father. <laughs> I was literally living on the bread that God gave me each day. To all the single guys in the room, God's bread for you is not a girlfriend. Let me just say that, okay? <laughs> but I wouldn't change that season of my life for anything, even though it was difficult. Because in that season, God matured my faith in such a way that has marked how I understand His grace that is enough for every day. His provision and grace on our lives is perfect and enough. It's never too little. It's always more than enough. And I know that I know that I know that God's grace will take care of me. I know that I know that I know that God provides for me and Robin and you far better than we can ever provide for ourselves. You see, friends, this wasn't just about the physical needs in my life being met. The grace of God gave me each day strength to face the challenges that would come my way. So it was both physical and it was spiritual. And this is where it dawned for me. As I matured naturally in independence away from my parents, it grew me spiritually in my maturity towards dependence upon God. As my independence from my parents went down, my dependence towards God went up. And that's when the most spiritual maturity had taken place in that season of my life. And I just want to say to the parents, don't hold on to your kids for too long. You know, Don't let them out when they're 12, but don't hold on to them for too long. God could be wanting to grow them and let them learn how to depend on Him. This has been a constant reminder to me that God will always provide for me far better than I can ever provide for myself. I had a moment this week, you know, when guys cry like twice a year, 
You know, it's those moments. It's normally when they realize how expensive something is or when God has done something. And I was sitting in the car with Cornell this week, a buddy of mine here in the church, and we're driving back from rugby. And I didn't know how, but, you know, the music was down, the hum of the wheels were going, and there was a little bit of a deep moment between brothers. And Cornell was crying a lot, so I had to console him. That's okay. And uh, no, I'm joking. And what had happened is we were just reflecting on our lives. And I had said to him, dude, it's crazy. By God's grace, Robin and I own an apartment that we shouldn't own. We shouldn't have. Out of my whole family, I'm the one who knows the Lord. I look at God's care on my life, and I said to him, none of that's me. None of that's me. It's all the grace of God on our lives. And friends, the same is true for every single one of us, that God will provide for us far better than we can ever provide for ourselves. This attitude of humility and gratefulness that Jesus wants to teach us, it rids us of pride and entitlement. When I'm sitting in, my ch- in, in, in the office, oh, but I work harder than that person. I deserve this. They don't work as hard as me. They don't see what I do. Pride and entitlement is washed away when we rather look at the grace that God has given us for the day rather than what we don't have. Secondly, or th- thirdly, Jesus wants us to be a people that pray with faith. Genuine faith. I want to be clear regarding the word faith. I'm not talking about wishful thinking or blindly walking into uncertainty. I'm also not referring to George Michael's song, you know, you've got to be a strong man and you've got to have faith, the faith, the faith. Yeah, thanks for that. I appreciate your encouragement in that one. But that's not the faith that Jesus is speaking about, about just walking blindly into the things that, that are uncertain. This is the type of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and certain, convicted of what we do not see. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and certain of what we cannot see. Now the ESV study Bible explains this so well and we're quickly going to read this so we are all on the same page of what type of faith is Jesus actually asking us, teaching us to pray with. This is what it says. Biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imaginary wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen but has been promised by God will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. Therefore, biblical faith is not blind trust in the face of contrary evidence. It's not an unknowable leap in the dark. Rather, biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful, infinitely wise, eternally trustworthy. The God who has revealed himself in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ whose promises have proven true from generation to generation and who will never leave nor forsake his own. That's the faith Jesus is calling us and teaching us to pray with, that God will bring it to pass because he has promised to do so, that God is a man of his word. And so shortly after Jesus teaches us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, in the same chapter, he gives us some real-life examples of what it means to have faith, uh, faith in, the, in the midst of adversity. We're going to unpack these, but we're going to see that actually the examples Jesus gives us 
is not actually like, okay, cool, I've got to avoid those because we can't avoid these. But how do we understand these to have faith in these moments? It's going to propel us to live out daily what it means to have faith. Let's read from Matthew 6, uh, verses 19 to 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where neither thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, dum, 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 don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. a big passage but very practical and i know you're imagining your life in that but in this passage jesus points out something very clear to us a big main point and then we're going to tackle the individual points the main point that jesus points out here is that too often we can become so distracted chasing after what's immediate versus what's eternal we can become so distracted that our immediate need is the thing that is most important and it fills us with worry and it fills us with fear when we look at our immediate needs and focus on those and become consumed by those. But he's saying when we, are, when we shift our focus onto what's eternal, our eternal needs, the kingdom, the grace that God has for our lives, we don't become a worrisome people. We become a faithful, restful people. Jesus lays this out for us that our eyes should not be on the things of this world, actually or consumed by the things of this world. Our eyes should be set on eternity. In verse 19 to 21, Jesus speaks about our treasures. And he says, treasures stored on earth can be stolen or rot and fade away. But treasures stored in heaven cannot be stolen or rot or fade away. And I know what you're thinking. If I'm trusting God for my daily provisions, how then am I supposed to put away my savings? If, is that not trusting God? Is it not trusting God to put away provisions and, and save for my life and save for my family? 
That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this life is not where we're called to store up our treasure, what's most important to us, the number one in our heart. Saving for my future is not wrong. It's wise. But hoarding unnecessarily is what Jesus is talking about. When we hoard and hoard more than we need, it becomes unnecessary. And that's what Jesus is speaking about. I remember when I was 16, 17, I had got adopted and taken in by this family that had completely changed my life. And I've shared a little bit about that before. And so my, my adopted dad, I remember seeing for like a year, he was just too generous, just way too generous. He would give away his car, get a new one, give it away, fix up a car, give it away. He would give away money. He would give away his food. He would give away his things. My dad was so generous up to the point where I just couldn't understand. So I eventually pulled him aside. I said, Dad, like I know you're an ask guy and I'm learning a lot, but why do you give away all these things? Why do you give away so much? And he said, my boy, everything I have doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. I'm just stewarding it and doing what he tells me to do with it. And that's what Jesus is teaching us about when it comes to his providential care in our life. That what we have, our hands are open. That it actually belongs to God. And so I'm going to be generous. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to give apostolically. I'm going to trust God. And then I'm going to make provisions with what's left over in wisdom and insight and counsel. Not silly. That's what Jesus is speaking about. I know some of us think, I don't have a lot in my hands. I don't have a great salary. I don't have a lot. So how can God sow through me to other people? And I just want to remind you that Jesus fed the 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. How much more could he do with what's in your hands? You see, Jesus is shifting the focus out of what's in our hands onto the one who's able to take what's in our hands and transform it into something for the kingdom. So give to God our tithes and offerings. Live a generous lifestyle and wisely make provisions with what is left. Verse 24, we also see that Jesus speaks of it into our money. And we know that our faith has a direct line to our money. When money is good, faith is good. When money is bad, ooh, faith is bad, right? And Jesus actually says that you cannot serve both. Either you will hate the one and love the other or serve the one and despise the other. And friends, I want to tell you just simply, if money is your treasure, you will end up despising God because he has a very different way of dealing with money than we do, which normally is about generously sowing it to others. We don't have time. I'm going to move on. Also, Jesus in verse 25 to 34, he, he, he tackles what we chase after daily. Jesus speaks about what are the things that consume our mind on a daily basis. What shall I wear? What shall I eat? What is like, what does everybody think of me? And we focus on all these temporary things. And it's very human of us to worry. I know that. Because in our human condition, we're limited. We can't see what tomorrow holds. I'm not able to see in six months' time where we'll be or what we'll do. But while we can't, God can. And so even though circumstances come up, sicknesses creep through the door, economies crash, businesses go under, we get older and worry about our retirement plans. All that fills us with worry. And Jesus isn't saying disregard your worry. 
He's saying, do not be anxious. Why? Because your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Because God already knows our needs before we ask, this prayer acknowledges our dependence upon God. God doesn't need us to ask Him. We need us to ask God because it, relies, it puts our dependence back onto the Father, puts our dependence back onto the grace, puts our dependence back onto the one who holds our lives in His hands. And so it's not that we don't ask God for these things. We should ask God for our daily provisions, our daily bread, as Jesus teaches us. But the point Jesus makes in this passage is that we don't become consumed by the things that we ask for. We ask God in faith, we leave it in His hands, and we trust in His providential care and timing that He will allow it in the right time. It's why we don't rely on the provision. It's why we rely on the provider. Rob's going to say something a little bit more into that later. Okay. Okay. And so my, my last three questions for us today, if I can please ask the band to come up. I've got three questions because I know we can tend to walk out the door, the door opens, coffee's going, and we forget. Three questions I want to ask you as you ponder coming to God for your daily bread. Number one, how often am I alone with God asking for the grace each day? Am I with Him daily? asking for what's needed for that day. Number two, in what ways am I trusting in my own strength to make provisions for myself? Where am I filled with worry that I'm not doing enough is generally a good trigger. And number three, what has God given me to steward so that I can sow and bless that to others?